welcome to another special episode of the Mohawk Games podcast, The Company Chat. This week, we're joined again by Daniels Umanovskis as he lays out the foundation for the third scenario in the Carthage campaign. So stay tuned. And joining me again for this week's episode is Daniel. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Glad to be back for another episode. Yeah, and again, we're here for the third scenario now of the Carthage campaign. And so I'd like you to lay out the groundwork, sir. That's right. Uh, We're here to talk about scenario number three. And scenario number three is titled The Rise of Rome. And it is the most military-oriented of our scenarios so far. The scenario is, as you might guess, is about the first major war between uh, Carthage and Rome, so the First Punic War. Uh, We start in uh, the year 264 before the Common Era, which means we're jumping about three centuries since we concluded the previous scenarios. So it's quite a time jump. And now we're looking at a really different world where Carthage is powerful, Rome is powerful, and they're just about to crash in open warfare. What happened there is a really interesting background to the war, so what what was happening in the preceding years. It started with a small group of mercenaries, Italian mercenaries. They were calling themselves the Mamertines, or the Sons of Mars, and they would have probably not been very historically significant, but they ended up sparking this whole giant war. What happened was that these mercenaries, Mamertines, they were roaming around Sicily, and at one point they betrayed the Greek town of Messana. The local citizens, they had invited the mercenaries to stay there, to sleep there, and the mercenaries, they betrayed the citizens. They decided they would take the town over, so they did that. They uh, took the town over, they killed much of the population, expelled the rest of the population, and turned the city of Messana into some kind of, we could say, a pirate base. So then for the next couple of decades, these Mamertines, they would continue to terrorize the neighbors. They would engage into land piracy, they would engage in sea piracy, and nobody really liked them, of course. So eventually the Greeks of Syracuse, they also, they had heard about these exploits by the Mamertine mercenaries and decided to put an end to it. So the Syracusan army, it marched in force to defeat the Mamertines. It defeated them in a field battle, and then it was about to besiege the city of Messana, which was the pirate base uh, by now. The Mamertines realized they had no chance against the Syracusan army, and they asked uh, Carthage for help. Uh, At this point, let's remember that Carthage and uh, Syracuse, they had been fighting on and off for centuries, so they hate one another pretty much, and they know that uh, there's been a lot of fighting. So, all right, uh, Carthage has a fleet nearby. Carthage agrees to help the Mamertines, and just by positioning its fleet and army there, Carthage gets Syracuse to back down. The Greeks, they don't want to fight Carthage again. So they see that these mercenaries are now under Carthaginian protection. Fine, they march back. Then, however, the Mamertines, they realize, okay, they've also had enough of this Carthaginian protection. You might be seeing that they're very, very opportunistic, this whole bunch. And uh, 
So they decided that this time they will ask the Romans for help. And now they will ask for Romans to help to get rid of the Carthaginians. The Romans also, they didn't like these mercenaries particularly. But uh, here geography played an important role. So this city of Messana, it's on the very eastern tip of Sicily. It's basically a stone's throw away from Italian mainland. There's just a very narrow strait of water. So the Romans realized that if Carthage can have control or at least influence in the city, then it's dangerously close to Rome. So the Romans, they possibly with some reluctance, they agreed to help these Mamertines. And then the Mamertines went, they attacked the Carthaginian troops that had been protecting them, and they invited Romans into the city. It's not clear exactly what happened then. Uh, There was likely some fighting and... Apparently, some soldiers from Carthage just withdrew without fighting, not entirely clear. But uh, shortly, Rome took control of the area, and Carthage did not accept that, so the two big empires ended up in open warfare. This is the background, and this is exactly where our scenario starts. So just as the first clashes have begun, the first fight between Carthage and Rome, and then you take control once again of Carthage, as you do in the rest of our campaign. Now, I have to ask, how are the mercenaries so successful in convincing both sides to do their bidding in, in some ways? That's a really good question, because they were just, well, mercenaries and raiders, but apparently they were really good at playing off the mutual dislike of these major nations that they had. They realized, okay, Greek, Greece and Carthage, they don't like one another, and they figured that Carthage would like to use their city as a harbor, and then they realized that the Romans are uncomfortable with Carthage being so close, so apparently they were really good at uh, at politics, we could say. Yeah, the leader's charisma score must have been really high. Yeah, must have, must have been a diplomat, or at least an orator. <laughs> there you go. So then we've set up where now the two are in open war. Are either side at a disadvantage? Are either side maybe weaker than the other? If you ask them, then yes, each side is uh, much stronger than the other side, because they were not evenly matched. Carthage at this point definitely dominates the seas. They have a navy, they have great naval crews, they have great ships, and Rome, as far as anybody knows, Rome doesn't even have a navy. Rome at this point had never had a military campaign outside of their mainland, outside of the Italian peninsula, so the boot itself, but Rome also believed that it's in a good situation because Roman land troops, they were excellent. They were well-equipped, they were well-trained, their legions had tactics, they had experience, so the Romans would also think that they're at at an advantage. The scenario reflects this. You, of course, you start with that powerful Carthaginian navy that dominates the Mediterranean. Rome starts with uh, powerful legions. After that, you fight a little bit, and then, just as in history, things take a surprising turn. What happened was that suddenly the Romans, they turned out uh, to have built a navy they were building. Some years prior, they probably captured a Carthaginian ship, or rather a salvaged one. They studied Carthaginian uh, ship construction techniques, and they had actually been constructing a navy. So... Suddenly, the Carthaginians who think that there is absolutely nobody who can match them on the seas, they find themselves fighting a big, big Roman navy in uh, the battle of, it's known as the Battle of Cape Econos. 
And that's a really cool one, because it's probably the largest naval battle in history still today. Uh, it had over 600 ships involved. Wow. So 600 ships. Is that actually going to be a part of this scenario? Yeah, well, so, uh, the battle is 600 ships would, of course, be uh, quite a challenge for the game. Uh, unfortunately, this is one of the realities we have with uh, 4X games that everything is kind of scaled down, or in this case, scaled down a lot. But yes, you will be fighting that big battle of Cape Economos, so that will be one of your first major battles against the Romans. So not with 600 ships. <laughs> and and there you will also get the first glimpse of what made the Romans so successful in warfare. It was not just their discipline and their industry. They were also really good at being inventive, at creating military technology and doing things that nobody expected. So military engineering and all that. In this battle, the Romans, they... Even though they had built a navy, they, of course, understood that their naval crews, they have completely zero experience. They're now just first sailing. It's very hard for them to outmaneuver and defeat the Carthaginian crews. Remember that at this time, naval tactics, they ended with uh, ships ramming into one another, pretty much. That was the main course of attack. You just ram into an enemy ship and hope it sinks. So Romans they came up with a way of leveraging their superior land forces, and they mounted a device they called Corvus on their ships. So this Corvus is basically a bridge with, with a claw, and what they would do, the Romans, they would sail one of their ships up to an enemy ship, right up, and ram it, and then they would lower the Corvus, the bridge, the claw digs into the enemy ship, now the two ships are completely connected, and then Roman marines uh, from their own ship, they run across the bridge and they slaughter the enemy naval crew and they capture the ship. This was a brilliant and very influential invention by them to actually engage in boarding tactics like that to simultaneously kill the enemy crews and also capture ships. Were these the first known attempts of boarding? I mean, this sounds like the Romans may have invented the whole boarding process and that type of military maneuver? Possibly yes, but uh, quite quite likely not. So it's another area where there's no real agreement about historians. There are some historians that say that something similar had been used by maybe the Greeks uh, over a century ago, or um, there might have been earlier Roman prototypes, but it's, it's most likely the first significant battle and the first large war where shipboarding became so influential, especially if you're not counting the, the whole thing with the sea peoples and Egyptians. They, there may have been shipboarding involved, but that's a really mysterious event. Nobody really knows what was going on in there. We can also say that the Battle of Salamis, there was the battle between Greeks and the Persians. It also had boardings of ships pretty definitely, but it likely did not have this huge influence that it did at, uh, at Cape Economos between Rome and Carthage. Great. So now with the game in regards to the scenario, what are Carthage's objectives in this one? Your objectives are pretty much to survive first, because the Romans, they surprise you. As I said, they, you think they don't have a navy. They do have a navy. You think maybe that they cannot economically support a war effort, but they do support. So initially, you very much find yourself on the back foot. 
your objectives are to hold your own uh, settlements on Sicily. Your objectives are not to lose all naval dominance and to survive, pretty much. Until, eventually, you can reach a turning point, hopefully, where you uh, take the battle to the Romans, a little bit at least, and you undo any damage that they may have caused. So if you lose an island or if you lose two islands, you will have to take them back. If the Romans land some forces in Africa itself, so in your in the heart of your empire, you will have to defeat those. And ultimately, you will want to kick the Romans out of Sicily. So you will want to defeat their troops there, and you will want to take the city of Messana that sparked the whole war and make sure that the Romans cannot invade you again because your navy will again be as superior as it was before the war. Now, Daniel, I remember in previous episodes, you said that your opportunity to change the course of history was a bit limited in the first two scenarios, because, of course, the idea that victory conditions matched up kind of with what history would show. But here, I feel like maybe the opportunity to change history is a little bit stronger. Is that the case? That's right. Yes. So these objectives that I, uh, I just mentioned, they mean that you would be outdoing the real success of Carthage. So in reality, Carthage, it, it held on the island first, and it did repel a Roman invasion of the mainland, and the Romans kept building more ships, and they kept building more soldiers, and after a lot of years, eventually Romans took control of Sicily. They took Panormus, which was the main Carthaginian settlement on the island. Carthage tried to retake it, and Carthage failed. They fought several more naval battles, and Carthage lost. Or, interestingly, there was a battle where you could say uh, both sides lost. So first the Romans won that battle, and then a huge storm came, and the entire Roman navy sunk anyway, with uh, with 100,000 men on board. It's just crazy. So hi historically, the Romans kicked Carthage out of Sicily, and Carthage was never able to really return there. What you are doing here is you are changing that course of history. You will try to succeed at the defense of Sicily, where Carthage didn't, and you will in fact try to seize Messana and end this war with a little bit more territory than you had at the beginning, and even be you know, just almost so close to Rome that you can uh, shoot arrows at it. Very cool. Now, I, I know that a lot of us especially people who have maybe a more vague familiarity with history, knew this was coming, knew that the battle, the, the bumping of heads between Rome and Carthage was going to happen eventually. So where, where do we go from here? I assume that, you know, if we can establish a foothold here and we can do well, that we might be set up differently for the fourth scenario. Well, I would say that for the final scenario, you would say that you do begin in a pretty uh, solid position for the final scenario, but it turns out that Carthage had problems other than Rome. Even though they lost the war, or you can end the war, let's say, with nobody's victory in the scenario, Carthage, as some players might recall from the gameplay itself, Carthage employed lots of mercenaries. So after this war, the mercenaries, they were not getting paid, and they rebelled, and Carthage had to deal with a major economic crisis. It had to deal with a, an uprising by mercenaries, so it had lots of problems other than Rome. So there, there is no real way to 
finish fighting a war that goes on for a quarter century and be much stronger than you were before. This is very long and very deadly. But of course, Carthage learns a lot during this war, and it has some generals that gain a lot of experience. And one of those generals in the final years of the war, he has a little newborn baby by the name of Hannibal, who is of course going to play a very, very major role the next time these two sides clash. That's a great setup, Daniel. I love it. So when can we expect to play this? So this third scenario is coming out on uh, June 17 with uh, yet another update to Old World. And also as a reminder to anyone who might have missed that, the June 17 would be just uh, two weeks before uh, we release the entire game as Old World is coming out on July the 1st. Yes, congratulations on a release date. Very exciting. Thank you. It's, uh, it's getting very close now and it's, uh, it's very exciting for all of us. Great. So just a day away from the time you'll be hearing this, you'll be able to experience the third scenario for this Carthage campaign. And Daniel, I really appreciate you taking the time to explain the history and giving us a foundation of what we can expect. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to talk about this because I think our scenarios, they you know, even though they're downscaled and even though they're not really and truly accurate to history, they're built on the background of some very interesting history. And I hope that it inspires some of our players to maybe uh, learn a little bit more about the events that, that we are depicting. Absolutely. It's inspired me, so I can imagine it'll inspire others. So thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you for having me again.
Da-da-da!